Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly LA Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. So there's three things I learned Sunday. One, the Rams will not be going undefeated. Two, the Arizona Cardinals are a Super Bowl contender. And by that, I mean a serious Super Bowl contender. And number three, I don't really want to do a podcast after a game like that. But I guess I have to. And that's because the Arizona Cardinals thumped the Los Angeles Rams 37-20. to I will cover this game in depth. We'll recap all the scoring, do a little bit of a deep dive into the game, what went wrong. A lot went wrong. We'll also have our loop around the league. And since the Rams are coming back on Thursday night for a game against the Seattle Seahawks, we also have our preview of that game at the end here. But first, let's get into that Ram game. From what I saw, the Rams really just came out flat in all facets. The defense had their moments, but really looked sloppy in assignments, poor tackling, really took bad angles, which is a recipe for disaster against a team like the Cardinals. And with all that happening, their only hope was to match the Cardinals' score for score, but that clearly wasn't happening because Stafford and his receivers just weren't clicking for whatever reason. I don't know. It might have been something the Cardinals were doing, or just one of those things that happen on occasion during the course of a season. But we saw drops by Cup, missed throws by Stafford, a TD pass that Higby should have had, and just error after error after error on both sides of the ball, actually. Before we get into our complete game recap, let's review my keys to the game that I shared on Thursday. My fearsome key number one was pocket containment. Don't let Murray do too much out of the pocket. We failed. Now it's easier for me sitting here in my Rams man cave to yell at Kenny Young and say, why the heck did you take that angle on Kyle Murray? Past games against Arizona, we've really done a better job on this. This game, we took a step back. We need to figure that out before we play them again. For some key number two was contain Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. We succeeded for the most part. That wasn't a big issue. I don't think it was our offensive lineman's best game in pass blocking. Did very good run blocking, but Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt were not really that much of a factor. For some key number three, don't let Ramsey freelance too much. Put him on Hopkins. Shut him down. The Rams mixed it up. Ramsey was all over the place. Sometimes he was on Hopkins, but in retrospect, I don't think this should have been a key to the game because the Arizona Cardinals can hurt you in many more ways than I understood at this point. I did not have respect for Chase Edmonds in the running game, and he really gashed us. The tight end, Max Williams, really hurt us. A.J. Green, he was a factor. So I think even if we took away Hopkins by putting Ramsey on him the whole game, I'm not sure that would have mattered in this game. Here's some key number four. Good day to get the ground game going, and we succeeded. We did very well at that, but 
if we're settling for field goals and in some cases missed field goals and turning the ball over, those six, seven, eight, ten, twelve yard runs by Daryl Henderson are nice to have and are very promising for the future. Didn't end up helping us much in this game, though. We'll be back in a second with a blow-by-blow account of the entire game. Let me try to capture how this game unfolded as quickly and painlessly as I can. Rams got the ball first. And their first possession, they looked like the same Rams we've seen all year. Moved the ball very efficiently. Henderson looked good. That drop by Cup did hurt. I think that catch was actually a little more difficult than we think. Between two defenders, I suspect he was distracted a little bit. Not going to give him any excuses, but I will cut Cooper Cup a little bit of slack. That was a big drop, though. Rams have to settle for a 42-yard field goal, go up 3 to nothing. And on the Cardinals' first possession, the defense looked great. Force a three and out. Rams get the ball back. First down, Henderson picks up seven yards, second and three. The Rams get a little bit greedy, but I'm okay with that. Take a shot with Deshaun Jackson. The ball is underthrown and intercepted, and the Cardinals drive 87 yards. Big pass to DeAndre Hopkins. Murray connects with A.J. Green for a 41-yard touchdown. Beats David Long. Looked like a mismatch there, stature-wise anyways. Cardinals go up 7-3. to three. Rams came right back and answered, drove the field. Stafford hits Van Jefferson for a touchdown. It's 10-7. to seven. Cardinals, they answer themselves. Impressive drive. Mixing it up a lot. Murray extended a couple of plays. Cardinals go up 14-10 to 10 on a Max Williams touchdown. Next possession is when things started to fall apart for the Rams. Sony Michelle fumbles. Deep in Ram territory, cards take over at the Rams 21. James Conner closes out the short drive. Cardinals up 21 to 10. Next possession, Rams, a three and out. A misfire from Stafford to Cup. After the punt, Cardinals get the ball at the 11. A three and out, and the Rams get the ball back at their own 47. Stafford hits Cup on a big pass, third and long. But the Rams end up settling for a field goal down 21-13. Cardinals' final possession of the half. Cardinals get one last possession before the half. Would have been nice if the Rams could held it to a one-score game after closing within eight points, but they could not. Cards drive down and kick a field goal. Halftime score, Cardinals 24, Rams 13. The one good thing at halftime is we don't have to worry about Sean McVay losing his 40-0 record when leading at halftime. Third quarter opens and you just need a stop. You need to get the ball back. You need to slow down this Arizona offense. Somewhat successful, but the Cardinals hit a 55-yard field goal to go up 27-13. Rams get the ball back. Henderson looks really good. They got saved by a roughing call on Stafford. Got a first down on that. Ended up having to settle for a 46-yard field goal, and it misses. So the score remains 27-13. So the Cardinals hit the 55-yarder. The Rams missed the 46-yarder, and it's a 14-point lead. Cardinals get the ball back, drive the field, add another James Conner rushing TD, up 34-13 now. Fourth quarter now, Rams have the ball. 
a big third down conversion to Van Jefferson, followed by a pass interference call. Stafford, on a keeper, appears to score. They call him down at the one, and the Rams can't convert after that. They turn the ball over on downs. Cardinals take over. Move the ball down the field, add another field goal to make it 37-13. to Robert Woods adds a late TD for the final score. Cards 37, Rams 20. Next up, we'll take a look at some game notes, player props, some stats, review the coaching, refereeing, and announcing, all that good stuff we normally do. And, and hey, how about some game balls? A little foreshadowing here. There won't be any. DraftKings Sportbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a Week 5 offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. By the way, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. This is your call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code T-P-P-N. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code T-P-P-N. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get through some game notes. A few things I wanted to make sure I fit in. Uh, Prior to the game, the Rams did, in fact, activate Okoronko, and they released defensive back J.R. Reed. They still have a couple weeks to decide what to do with Tremaine Ankrum. And the Dodgers will host the Cardinals in a wildcard game. They will do so without Clayton Kershaw. That issue with his forearm has resurfaced. I doubt we see him again this postseason. Now, on to the notes from the game against Arizona. Rams were minus two in takeaways. As that game slipped away from them, I just couldn't help but think they need a takeaway or two. Minus two in takeaways against a team like Arizona. It can be overcome, but it certainly makes it extremely difficult. And of course, you had that play where we got down to the one and couldn't get in. Miss a field goal as well. That all adds up. Chase Edmonds ended up with 120 yards, including that big 54-yard run late in the game. That hurt. Three Cardinal receivers, Green, Hopkins, and the tight end Williams, had 67, 68, and 66 yards receiving, respectively. Daryl Henderson ended up with 89 yards rushing, not shabby considering the Rams were chucking the ball around a lot late. If you're some four big plays, it's really tough in a game like this, but I came up with four. Fearsome big play one, the fumble by Sony. That was kind of a game changer, and I don't think we saw Sony again after that. Fearsome 
big play number two that underthrown ball to Deshaun. At least I thought it was underthrown. I thought he was open. Announcers didn't really speak to that at all, but Deshaun had to slow down, allowed the defensive back to recover, grab the interception, and end that drive. For some big play number three, that third and 16 run by Murray in the first half got it down to the Rams' 27-yard line. Those are so painful, so demoralizing for a defense. You do everything right, seemingly, and Murray takes off on a run like that. And for some big play number four, I'm going to actually combine two plays. They hit a 55-yarder. We miss a 46-yarder. Six-point swing. When the game was not quite yet out of hand, that really hurt. A couple other items worth noting. The Rams lost the coin toss. That's a rarity. Should have known things weren't going to go our way when we can't win the dang coin toss. Thought we had that figured out. Ernest Jones, the rookie linebacker, was on the field a lot, but he did not record a single stat from what I saw, so that's a little troubling. Player props. There's not a lot to talk about. It's mostly negative. I thought Kenny Young had a bad day. A couple plays where he took bad angles. Again, it's easy sitting on my couch to tell Kenny Young which angle he should be taking. Cut him a little bit of slack, but there was a couple plays, including that 54-yard run by Chase Edmonds. I think he was out of position on that as well. David Long seemed to get picked on in this game. He got beat by A.J. Green on the long pass. A couple of others he just looked outmatched a little bit. But this was a team loss across the board. I'm sure there was somebody that had a good game. We'll see what Pro Football Focus has to say, but I'm not giving out any game balls. This team needs to get their act together. Go to Seattle on a mission. Get this train back on the tracks. Coach's Corner, I have one minor criticism of McVeigh. There was a long pass to Cup. The Rams converted a third down. Cup got rocked between two defenders. This is very late in the first half. Rams still have three timeouts. They got to get reorganized, get in the huddle, line up. Just use a timeout, but no, they don't take a timeout. They take a five-yard delay penalty. This happens too much to this team. Just use your timeout. What are you saving them for at this point? Kind of gets me going, some of these mental mistakes by our brilliant coaching staff. Refing review, the only thing I will say about the refs is you got to give Stafford the touchdown. you got to call that right on the field. Don't make the Rams burn a challenge and potentially a timeout. Get it right. He scored. They usually get those correct. They got it wrong this time. The announcers, Chris Myers and Daryl Johnston, not my favorite. They're okay. They're efficient. Not one of my favorite crews, though, but they're all right. I did have one criticism of Myers. Apparently, he was surprised after the Cardinals won the toss that they were deferring. He couldn't believe that they were deferring to the Rams. That's pretty standard operating procedure at this point in the NFL. Apparently, Myers doesn't know that. Nitpicking here, but that's my criticism of the announcing crew. So what does it all mean? Well, right now, the Cardinals are 4-0. The Rams are 3-1. and Seahawks and Niners, both 2-2. Two and two. Another round of divisional matchups next week. The Rams and Seahawks on Thursday night. The 49ers travel to Arizona. It's going to be an interesting week. We're going to know a lot more about this division a week from today. Final word, all is not lost. 
Let's look at the upside. This team was taught a lesson. They need to regroup and plaster Seattle Thursday night. Let's get to 4-1, and one, and we'll get some revenge on the Cardinals when we travel to Arizona in a game that could possibly decide the divisional championship. Let's get to our loop around the league. We'll start with the Thursday night game. Bengals 24, Jags 21. Bengals were my survivor pick, so I barely survived. Joe Burrow 24 for 32, 348 yards and two TDs. I think he has arrived. Urban Meyer still winless across the preseason and the regular season. I suspect it's driving him crazy. The Jets beat the Titans 27-24 in overtime. Zach Wilson and the Jets get their first win. Titans forced overtime. And then when the Jets settled for a field goal after having a first and goal from the eight, Titans drove down the field and missed a 49-yard field goal that would have salvaged a tie for them. I suspect a lot of people took a hit in their survivor leagues on that one. The Bills dismantled the Texans 40 to nothing, just a complete win. The Texans managed just six first downs. Two of them came on their final drive when the game was essentially over. Colts 27, Dolphins 17. Jonathan Taylor averaged over six yards per carry, 100 plus yards and a TD. The Browns 14, the Vikings 7. I had picked the Vikings in this one, but but it's actually good for a Rams cause whenever a AFC team beats a supposed NFC contender. Surprising defensive struggle. Both starting quarterbacks held under 200 yards. Chiefs 42, Eagles 30. Lots of great skill players strutting their stuff in this one, but Tyreek Hill shines above all others. 186 yards receiving and three TDs. The Giants knock off the Saints 27-21 in overtime. The Giants were down 21-10 midway through the fourth quarter. Come back and win. Daniel Jones ends up with 400 yards passing. Washington football team 34, Falcons 30. This was a little bit of a crazy game. Washington down 30-28, to 28, tried a two-point conversion. This was very late in the fourth quarter. It failed. They managed to get the ball back again, drove down and scored. There was a horrible roughing call in this game on Chase Young that set up what looked to be the Falcons winning TD. So maybe it was just a serve that Washington came back and won this game. Bears 24, Lions 14. Jared Goff had a couple of chances to keep his team in the game. One, a miscommunication, not his fault. He was in the shotgun, deep in Bears territory. Came up to change the play. The center snaps the ball, bounces into the arms of a Bears defender, drive over. Thought the Lions might get their first win here. It didn't happen, though. Cowboys 36, Panthers 28. Zeke, 143 yards and a TD on just 20 carries. Starting to look like the old Zeke now, and that could really propel the Cowboys forward. I think they're going to win this division the way things are panning out right now. The afternoon games, while the Rams were playing the Cardinals, the Seahawks were beating the 49ers 28-21. Russell Wilson avoids his first ever three-game losing streak. Trey Lance threw for two TDs in that game. Packers 27, Steelers 17, balanced effort from the Packers offense. 
A.J. Dillon led the attack, 81 rushing yards. Ben Roethlisberger had a fumble and an interception. Ravens, 23, Broncos, 7. Teddy Bridgewater knocked out of that game with a concussion, and Drew Locke was no match for Lamar Jackson. Jackson threw for 316 yards and rushed for another 59. And Sunday night, Bucks 19, Patriots 17. The lead changed hands four times in the fourth quarter. Would have changed hands a fifth time in favor of the Patriots, but field goal bounced off the left upright in the rain, and the Bucks escaped with a win. Up next, our preview of the Ram-Seattle game. Rams come back on Thursday night, travel to Seattle, play our favorite rivals in the NFC West. Let's get a preview of that game in now. Seattle leads the series 25-22. to The St. Louis Rams really dropped the ball in this rivalry. The LA Rams, prior to moving to St. Louis, were 4-2 and against the Seahawks. Remember, these two teams weren't in the same division until 2002, when Seattle moved from the AFC West to the NFC West. While in St. Louis, the Rams lost 10 straight to the Seahawks between 2005 and 2009. Since returning back to L.A., the Rams are 8-4 and four against the Seahawks. So the L.A. Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, are 12-6 and six against the Seahawks. Russell Wilson has always struggled against the Rams. One of the best quarterbacks of his generation is only 8-11 against the Rams. The only other team he has a losing record against is the Chargers. Seahawks went 11-5 last year, won the division, and then as we all remember fondly, the Rams knocked them out in that wildcard game in Seattle. That was a game where Darius Williams' pick six turned the tide, and according to Terry Bradshaw, that was a miracle. The Rams 30, Seahawks 20, as the Rams advanced to the divisional round. Now, I usually like to talk about memorable games in this segment, but if you're talking about the Rams and Seahawks, there's a lot of memorable games. There's that game where Todd Gurley went off against them in Seattle. There was a playoff game last year. There was that game back in St. Louis where Aaron Donald and friends stopped Marshawn Lynch on a fourth and one to seal the win. Just too many to mention. Just a lot of fun games between these two teams, and a good number of them went the Rams' way. And I think this one will too. The future odds on this game this past weekend was the Rams by one and a half. Weather for this game, by the way, should be in the low 50s around game time. Not bad for a Seattle game. Talked a little bit about what they did last year already. 11-5, and lost that playoff game. It was a strange year for the Seahawks. Early on in the year, Russell Wilson was cooking, as they say, and was having an NFL season for the ages, kind of tailed off later in the year. Meanwhile, their run defense was good pretty much all year long, but their pass defense was horrific early on, and it got better by the end of the year, kind of evened out. Good run defense, good pass defense, but there's no question they had some issues in the secondary and I'm not sure they have been addressed. 
Pete Carroll's in his 12th year, been pretty successful. Two Super Bowls with one Super Bowl win. Their draft picks this year, they only had three. People talk about the Rams having no draft picks. Well, Seattle takes it to a new level. Three draft picks. Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver. I suspect the Rams had their eyes on him. He went right before the Rams picked Tutu Atwell. And they drafted the cornerback Trey Brown, who's been injured, and offensive lineman Stone Forsythe. Free agent signings worth mentioning? Well, there's not a whole lot. They signed Gerald Everett, the tight end from the Rams, Akello Witherspoon, the cornerback from the Niners, who has since been traded to Pittsburgh, and defensive end Kerry Hyder, who hasn't really contributed much yet. And, by the way, they also lost Shaquille Griffin, who was perhaps their best cornerback last year. Key players? Well, we all know about Russell Wilson. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett might be the most underrated wideout in the league. DK Metcalf, the volatile young wide receiver. Running back Chris Carson. The best offensive lineman is probably Dwayne Brown. On the defensive side, Jamal Adams. A real thumper on the back end. One of the best safeties in the league. Carlos Dunlap applies pressure from the edge. Future Hall of Fame middle linebacker Bobby Wagner. He's still there. Guy has been there forever. Hate playing against that guy. And young linebacker Jordan Brooks might be the heir apparent to Wagner as the leader of that defense. In a nutshell, the issue with the Seahawks is that secondary, in my opinion. Can that secondary hold up? As I mentioned, they lost Griffin. They signed Witherspoon. He's now gone. Their starting cornerbacks are DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. Decent players, decent enough. Safeties are good, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, but still, against an aerial attack like the Rams, they're going to have some serious issues. And Ram connections, besides Gerald Everett, they also have Shane Waldron, the ex-Ram coach, as their offensive coordinator. What have they done so far this year? They opened up with a 28-16 win over the Colts. Then they lost in overtime to the Titans. That was the game where Russell Wilson took a sack in overtime back at his one-yard line. Seahawks had to punt, gave the Titans a short field. They kicked the field goal for the win. And then they lost to the Vikings in week three, 30-17 in Minnesota. Got shut out in the second half. How many times have the Seahawks been shut out in the half? I haven't looked it up, but I don't think that happens very often. And then this past Sunday, they traveled to San Francisco. And they step up and beat the 49ers 28-21. Never count the Seahawks out, I swear. So they come into the Ram game with a 2-2 two and two record with a chance to beat the Rams and move into a tie with them. What are my fearsome four keys to the game? Well, fearsome key number one, the Seahawks always seem to be able to manufacture those big plays, Wilson to Lockett, Wilson to Metcalf, usually Wilson to Lockett, actually. The Rams need to limit those plays. You're going to give up a big play or two to the Seahawks. This offense is just too dynamic. It's going to happen. You just want to limit those big plays. None of those cheap touchdowns, 60-yard passes to lock it with 30 seconds left in the half. Those types of things always seem to happen with this team. Don't let it happen in this one. Fearsome key number two, going to go back to an old standby here, red zone efficiency on offense. And that's especially important when you're playing at Seattle. Because they're going to hang with you. They always seem to hang with you. They never seem to go away. But if you 
score touchdowns instead of settling for field goals and makes it very difficult for them to hang with you. The Rams are the better team. The Rams should win this game going away. But if the Seahawks find a way to force field goals in the first half, that plays right into the Seahawks' hands. Score the touchdowns. Don't settle for field goals. Fearsome key number three, survive the swings. There's going to be momentum swings in this game. There's going to be a turnover. There's going to be a bad penalty on the Rams. Something crazy is going to happen. And they got to answer. When those things happen, they have to answer and answer quickly. And fearsome key number four, something they've been very successful at over the years. They have to continue frustrating Russell Wilson. Pocket containment. Get hands on him. Put him on the ground. Force him to make some risky throws. He makes mistakes. He makes a lot of mistakes against the Rams, actually. And I think a lot of that has to do with Aaron Donald. But with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in this game, they're going to be able to frustrate Wilson to make him take chances and force him into mistakes. My prediction, Seattle will have no answer for the Rams aerial attack, in my opinion. I think what we saw against Arizona was an anomaly. The Rams will get it corrected and get it corrected fast. I think the Rams are going to march up and down the field. I wouldn't say easily, but with authority. But remember, Rams have to travel on a short week. It's a primetime game. Seattle's going to bring their best. But still, I'm taking the Rams in this game. Los Angeles Rams 31, Seattle Seahawks 20. That's going to do it for this episode. Now remember, this week, no Thursday morning drop because of the Thursday night game. We'll have a Friday morning drop reviewing the Rams-Seattle game. We'll also have our game picks for week five. You already know how I'm picking that Thursday night game. I have no new errors or omissions to share with you at this time, although I suspect I've mispronunciated a name or two, as I have a habit of doing. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.